1: and the host of this show. Don Schwartz is an actor and journalist. His book, Telling Their Own Stories, Conversations with Documentary Filmmakers, is available from Amazon. His film reviews and filmmaker profiles appear regularly on the FromTheHeartProductions.com website. Don posts new reviews almost daily. He holds B.A., M.A., Ph.D. degrees in psychology and counseling. Carol Dean and Don Schwartz love documentaries, and they created this show to encourage people to watch more docs.
0: Claire, we want to support document filmmakers because we believe they're our greatest asset. They find and they film stories that are unique and make a contribution to society. And, Don, I'm really excited today to hear what you have to say about this brilliant film up for Academy Award called What Happened, Miss Simone?
2: Yes, thank you, Clara. Thank you, Carol. I apologize there. Thank you, Carol Dean. Uh yes our first film is called what happened miss simone it is directed by liz garbus and currently distributed by netflix and liz garbus is a prolific filmmaker her uh, her i've reviewed two of her films one was called love marilyn about marilyn monroe the other one was called bobby fisher against the world and she is i would say she's a master documentary filmmaker it is not easy to be one of the five documentary films up for an oscar that's a very rarefied arena for documentary films also what happened miss simone is one of two documentary films that were, were released uh, in 2014 excuse me 2015 the other one is called the amazing nina simone and that's by jeff lieberman and i couldn't get a a disc of that so i haven't been able to review it there's a Another film, a narrative film called Nina, which is written and directed by Cynthia Mort, and that was presented at the 2014 Cannes Film Festival, but has yet to be distributed. It stars Zoe Saldana as Nina Simone, and uh, it is possible that Nina will be released sometime this year. I uh, knew Nina Simone only as a name. And uh, the periphery of my consciousness, the 1960s and 70s, I I, uh, I essentially was pretty much unconscious at that time. Uh, The war and the civil rights movements were essentially something happening on TV. And Nina Simone was uh, some some singer I heard about. So that's what documentary films are all about. I, I put this documentary film on. Nina Simone comes on stage at the first shot and she sits down and plays piano and sings and i was struck immediately by the power of this person the power of their presence and uh liz garbus tells nina's story and the story is is as dramatic as it can be nina simone lived several lives and she she was uh she was fully trained as a jazz pianist she studied for a year and a half at Uh, at Juilliard and her life took many turns and she ended up as a singer songwriter and uh, a multi-instrumentalist but mostly piano and she was prolific as a performer and uh, uh, Garbus uses uh, Nina's daughter uh, in the film uh, who is credited as a co-producer and her name is Lisa Simone Kelly and uh, Lisa Kelly and others tell Nina's story, and there's plenty of performances of Nina Simone in the film. And I am not at all surprised, but I am delighted to know that the film was uh, nominated uh, for an Oscar. Uh, Nina Simone was, was trapped for a lot of, lot, long time in an abusive relationship, and that's one of the tougher things to learn about and to see in the film. Uh, but she she had uh, she had a very prolific productive life life and she and I look forward to seeing more films about her and I, all I can say is that uh, this film had made a deep impression on me an indelible impression on me about who Miss who Nita Simone was and what she did and I look forward to hearing a lot more of her music. And I would say this is essentially a very powerful film about a powerful character, and and she lived a life of many tragedies and many triumphs. Uh, and Carol.
3: So,
1: uh, Carol, are you still with us? Let's see, Carol, still with us here? Okay. okay. Love that film. Yes, Carol. I think Hi. that um, your your mic might have been um, your your. We we only caught part of what you said. Could you? Okay, so I think she's calling back in. So uh, pardon us for just one moment. And uh, I know. And, and as far as this film goes, do you have um, the information, Don, for how people can find the film online?
2: I did find a, a site devoted to it so the best way is to go to netflix and simply look it up uh, okay. you can also google google the net, the the title i guarantee you as one of the uh, n- five nominees uh mm-hmm. there is a tremendous amount of information written about this film so if you just google the right. title you'll get an avalanche of information it
1: looks like carol is back with us Carol. <laughs> <laughs> i think if, if by any chance uh carol you're muting your phone i think that's no,
0: Claire at, no, okay. everything is fine no. over here I just over. have to agree with you Don. I loved the film and her energy just broke through the computer and the film was in the living room and she was in the living room and she had all this wonderful energy and power, what a powerful woman uh, and can you imagine being an exceptionally talented piano player at an early age Miss Simone loved to play the piano she was willing to put in five to eight hours a day and that can be hard work but she loved to practice and she was improving herself because she had a goal to be the first black classical pianist but i can only imagine the loneliness that she felt because she had to give up her friends and uh everything to dedicate her life to this piano but she did it and all of this is really what makes a great pianist, but because of her color of her skin, she was relegated to play in nightclubs to support herself and her family. Um, she Her hopes were dashed when she realized that when she got to New York, she wasn't able to get the grant from the School of Music that um, her hometown had sent her there, because they thought that the Surely they would accept her based on her talents. But once they found out that she was black, that was the end of that. So she went to work playing at a nightclub. And then she had another crisis when the owner said to her, um, Well, you have to sing. And she she said, Okay, I'll sing. And she did. And, and I think that's one of those things in life that was very fortuitous for all of us because she is a great singer. But she taught herself to sing to keep her job and to feed her family. She was an artist in the 60s, and um, George Ween fell in love with her work, and he put her in the Newport Jazz Festival, and she was a hit. So that was the beginning of all of us getting to meet her. And uh, then the film follows her life really well shows that she falls in love, what goes on with her married life, and it, the film is brilliantly done. You'll have to agree that uh, that it really deserves to be nominated for an Oscar because the story is tight, it's edited superbly, and you're caught up in the emotional undertone of the film from the very beginning when Maya Angelou says, What happened, Nina Simone? And the film answers that in a very engaging way, so I highly recommend it. Now, Don, talk to me about Sweet Prince. The,
2: the Green Prince.
0: Green Prince.
2: The Green Prince is the title of this film, and I discovered it on Netflix by accident. And I have never seen a, a film like this, a documentary film, a narrative film. I've never seen anything like this movie. It's... a uh, essentially my jaw was dropped from the beginning and it just got lower and lower as the film went on. The Green Prince is written and directed by Nadav Sherman N-A-D-A-V first name, last name S-C-H-I-R-M-A-N and it's based on a book called Son of Hamas by Mosab Hassan Youssef and it tells a story of two I would say sworn enemies, uh, discovering common ground, uh, working together, and forming a lifelong bond. And the two enemies, former enemies, are Mosal Hassan Youssef, the writer of that book, and he is the son of a major Hamas leader, and Youssef was raised in the Palestinian side of the uh, of uh, the conflict with Israel, and at the age of 17, he was captured by Israeli forces and placed in the hands of a Shin Bet agent. Uh, Shin Bet is the name of or a name of the uh, Israeli uh, internal uh, secret service or, or uh, internal security agency. And the agent assigned to deal with Youssef was named Gonin ben Yitzhak. Again, Gonan ben Yitzhak. And uh, Yitzhak's job was to recruit Yusef as a mole for Israel, working in the Palestinian territory. And uh, you wouldn't have a, a film and a story unless that, happen, that happened. And yes, that happened. And Yusuf's primary focus as a mole was on Hamas activities, including... Uh, those activities of his father. And then this spy-mole relationship lasted about 10 years, and it ended when both men became dissatisfied with Shinbet policies and their actions. And uh, through a miracle of miracles, it would have been very easy for Yusuf to have been murdered, but he escaped being murdered, and he uh, he came to the United States, and he wrote his book, uh, but he he cannot uh, be, he, he has to stay in hiding. I don't know if he'll ever be able to not be in hiding. And what, what uh, how this film presents this story is through interview. An interview with uh, uh, y- Yitzhak and Yusef. They're separate interviews. So uh, Nadav Sherman goes back and forth in between those interviews uh, segments of interview, you see uh, images uh, of the war, images of strife, uh, and other bits and pieces of information about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And with, with every segment of interview, I, I just became more and more amazed at what I was hearing and seeing. The two individuals that were interviewed did such a great job of telling their respective stories, I began to wonder if they were actors performing a script. <laughs> I'm yeah. serious. I'm serious. And I did not know that they weren't actors until I saw the credits.
0: Amazing.
2: Yes. And and, and, and uh, so right now, uh, in terms of awards, The Green Prince has won the Best Documentary at the 2014 Film Festival, and that was the Audience Award and the Audience Award at the 2014 Moscow International Film Festival. So it has been taken seriously, but it, it, it's been hard to find. So I'm glad we have a chance to, to talk about it because I consider this a must-see film. It, it, it's essentially, it, this is this is about the power of, of human beings to create peace. And uh, it is available from its distributor, uh, which is called the Music Box, but you can find it on Netflix and lord knows probably other uh major on demand sources and again i cannot emphasize what a powerful experience it was seeing this film
0: i totally agree totally it's a thriller on it's an it's a hollywood award winning writer could not write a better story i'll tell you i think it's a trumbo story waiting waiting to be told for the big screen if there ever was a doc that should be made to a feature this is it i think but whoever said the truth is better than fiction i could have been writing about this film because it's compelling from the very beginning Uh, where you're sort of set up with the idea that there's going to be some fascinating ending and you just keep imagining things, different scenarios, but the film always changes to a new direction that you never would have guessed uh, and it keeps moving at a fast pace. You can't get bored with this film. It has more twists and turns than the movie Chinatown, I guarantee you. So the film is in chapters, and each one of them starts out like a short story and builds and builds until you've got to take a break. You're so uptight with all the information and the energy and the stress. It Really, the filmmaker knows how to create tension in this documentary. It's really well done. And you learn so much about Israel and Palestine. I did, and even if you think, "Well, what could what's so new that could be so interesting?" Well, believe me, this marvelous, heart-wrenching story is new. You'll never be able to outguess this film, uh, and you soon you stop trying to, and you just relax and watch it because you will learn so much about what's going on over there. And you meet two people who are doing a dance together in this web of deception, the Israeli recruiting officer and the Palestinian son of a major spokesperson for Hamas. And in the film, you see the son who's raised in a loving house who worships his father, and in fact, so much that when his father's arrested, the son wants revenge and goes out, buys a gun, and is immediately caught and thrown into prison. And when all the prisoners are asked, would you like to work for Israel, and uh, and this son of the Hamas leader says yes, then you think, oh, well, he's pretty smart, so I guess he's going to be a double spy. But you cannot outguess this film, believe me. At this point, um, he goes into the prison, but he's soon shocked to the core, and he truly loses his footing, and he lands in a place of not knowing who to believe. He doesn't believe his father, he doesn't believe Hamas, and he doesn't believe Israel. So you you wonder now, who is this man and what will he do? And that's what you're thinking for 90 minutes, as this brilliant film unfolds with many unusual circumstances that could only happen in a true story. So I highly recommend this film. And like you, I I felt like I knew both of these people. At the end of the film... um, I, you know, I felt like they were friends of mine, and they would be welcome in my house at any time. Uh, it's that uh, engaging and that up close and personal. Don, didn't you think?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I want to hear what happens. I'm ready to hear what happens next. I uh, and uh, I don't know how we'll find out, but <laughs> it right. is right.
0: Well, yeah. I, at the beginning, did you notice that they got funds from Germany, the German Federal Film Fund, and they got funds from Israel? Uh, I, I was saying, well done. Um, so they got donations from both of those countries, which is great. Well, uh, I highly recommend it, too. I think that that's going to be on the award list perhaps next year, but we'll just have to wait and see. So let's go to the next film. Tell us what you think of three and a half minutes and ten bullets.
2: Yes, thank you, thank you, Carol. Three and a half minutes and ten bullets is directed and shot by Mark Silver, and he's become uh, quite a talented documentary filmmaker. It is an HBO documentary. Uh, on Friday, November 23rd, uh, 2012, Michael Dunn shot and killed teenager uh, Jordan Davis. Uh, there. Vehicles were parked next to each other at a Florida gas station in an upper-middle-class suburban neighborhood. Jordan and his three teenage friends were listening to loud music, and Dunn asked them to turn the music down. And Jordan wound up dead. Mark Silver uh, covers this crime. He covers the trial of Michael Dunn, and he covers its outcome. And obviously this is, in Florida, this is another instance of an armed white male shooting and killing an unarmed African-American teenager, and this is near Jacksonville. Uh, There are are three layers to this film, and that's one of the things that makes it so powerful because Mark Silver did such a great job of, of covering so many aspects. Uh, and so I just numbered the layers, but it, my numbering is is somewhat arbitrary, but it's about Florida's stand the ground law, and that allows somebody to legally injure or kill another person if uh if you feel that that person is threatening you it's, I have to use the word reasonably the the wording of the law if you feel reasonably threatened and of course the word reasonable is how you can have countless court trials arguing over that one word. Uh, the second layer is racism in America, and it is obviously and blaringly alive and well. And that was despite decades of of activism. It is the the, the continued presence of racism in our society is just one of the things that I can only bemoan over and and be and be befuddled over. But that's alive and well, and that is a, a major issue in this uh, one crime. And the third layer is about those who are closest to this crime, and that's Jordan Davis's parents. And and then the, uh, uh, the third person is Rhonda Rauer, who was Michael Dunn's, fiancé, the two of them were coming back from a party, and when they stopped at the gas station, Rhonda Rauer was in the food mart part of the gas station when this action outside happened, and these three people are, are covered in this film, and they highlight the, what I, I call the deeply personable, personal impact of this crime. And I would say this is th- their presence in this film is critical to getting the point across of, of the tra- kinds of tragedy that Florida's stand-your-ground law is creating. And all these issues converge with this trial, which obviously had a lot of uh, national publicity. But uh, Mark Silver tells this story with grace, and he tells it with ex- elegance and uh, this is again another film that had a haunting impact on me it it says the film when you watch these powerful films, they become a part of your life you you've taken on a child as, as, as forever so uh and that that's it for me Carol. Are you with us?
1: okay, let me just see if she's still.
0: Carol? Yes, hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes.
2: Yes, I I, I said my piece about three and a half minutes.
0: I loved it. I loved it. I'm right here. Well, I'll tell you something. Um, The underlying theme of this film is emotion. Emotion. Michael Dunn was emotional. He became over-emotional when Jordan cursed him. Jordan was emotional. He was quoted as saying, I'm tired of people telling me what to do. Rhonda, the girlfriend of Michael Dunn, or fiance, was often crying through the film and highly emotional throughout the entire trial. And, of course, Lucia Macbeth, Jordan's mother, was emotional, waiting for justice for her son. So Michael Dunn had his window rolled up and he was sitting at his car uh, with, this all started over loud noise, all right? And he had asked them to turn the noise down, and they did, and then they turned it back up. But Michael Dunn um, heard Jordan uh, cursing him. And Jor- when Jordan said, um, I'm tired of people telling me what to do. And they turned the radio back up. Now, You have to think about an old film called Network. And think about the guy who was the newscaster who said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And that was echoed across the entire United States. Um, They checked on every city and people were shouting out the window, I'm mad as hell. So Jordan was mad about being told. I think that there's a lot going on in America right now in other events that have brought this emotion out and I think we really need to look at what's going on with us as a people and then Michael rolled his window down when Jordan said that and said are you talking to me? You talking to me? Remember that line from Taxi Driver? De Niro practiced that many times he was ready to, go, ready to get to attack and he said, you're talking to me? And that's what happened. So Michael is full of emotion from taking these curses personally. And then the event escalated from here. So is this event a microcosm of the status of people in the United States right now? Are we a people that is feeling vulnerable? Are we emotional? Can we be off balance quickly and let our emotions take over? I think this film makes you wonder about all of this. And after seeing the big short and clearly understanding the theft that took place by the banks in 2008 and 9, feeling the loss of low-price credit that all of us took for granted, feeling the loss of our middle class and our middle class jobs, seeing our grocery prices skyrocket, moving over as our relatives come to live with us, could all of this be part of the background for this event? And how do you take a law that was intended to protect you from bodily harm and bring it into a parking lot argument over noise? This could only happen when emotions are running high. So I think Mark Silver did a wonderful job of showing us the state of the country at this time, how each of us is living on the edge, and it's because so much of what we took for granted is gone. Is that the reason? Is it because we don't know what tomorrow might bring? Is it the nightly news full of terrorists and senseless killings that's keeping us all in this highly emotional state? These are things we really need to consider because... What happened is the question I want to ask. We used to be a country that helped our neighbors. We normally are supportive and caring towards our fellow man. And so I think this is an important event in our history. This film is important because it lets us see who we are from a new perspective. We need to consider how we're acting and wonder if we are overreacting. And the film captured and fully exemplifies the emotional energy in the United States to me. So what did you think, Don?
2: Uh, absolutely. It reminds me of an uh, a experiment that I was introduced to when I was an undergraduate in psychology at Emory University. In the, in the experiment they have a, a wire cage there's a white rat in the cage and there's, a, there's a, an amorphously shaped white object in the cage and they attach wires to the metal cage and they shock the, the rat and the rat attacks this amorphously shaped object because that's the only object that the rat can can identify as something to attack so essentially when we get stressed we will attack whatever we perceive is, ha- is causing it and uh, we but the truth is we don't see the forces that are actually causing our stresses
0: exactly exactly and when you sit back and look at this film, like, pull back to Cincinnati, remember that line from Tootsie, (laughs) you know, how do I make this guy look better, pull back to Cincinnati, we have to take this film and look at it uh, from a big perspective and say that there's so much going on, so much of our life has changed and continues to change, that it's as if we've lost our footing you know, and we need to be more considerate of our fellow man. Had uh, Michael Dunn just ignored him, that would have never happened. Had Justin said, "Oh, forget about it. Ten minutes with the radio off. Who cares?" That wouldn't have happened. Uh, but you put them together in a time and place where all of this. Uh, energy. This emotional energy is just rampant throughout the United States. It it was a tinderbox, and um, and I think the filmmaker did a great job of bringing this to our attention. I really appreciate the job Mark did. So, I'm very excited to hear your review of Dogs on the Inside. Please. Yes.
2: Yes. Dogs on the Inside. I'm very grateful for this film because the, the first three films we had were, were, had had such strong, hev- was, Woody Allen used the word, heaviosity. And I love films about dogs, and I love films about in, interspecies uh, relationships. And this film is about uh, men and dogs. And uh, I'm very grateful for for the, the warm-heartedness that shows through in this in this film, And it's produced and shot and edited by Breen Cunningham and Douglas Syrup, which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly. And uh, Douglas is going to be our interviewee as soon as I finish talking about the film. So we're very grateful to have uh, Doug with us. Dogs on the Inside covers a program at a Massachusetts prison, and the name of the program is Don't Throw Us Away. And what it does is it pairs prisoners with rescue dogs, and the prisoners foster and train these dogs in preparation for finding forever homes and a lot not all but many of the dogs are uh, rescue dogs come from the state of Mississippi, and so Cunningham and syrup do cover they went to Mississippi and cover the work of, of those those uh, rescue workers and and the film captures that that magic and love that can happen between a human and non-human, and but of course it, it's given the support, it's given the context for that to happen, and the 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 relationship between human and dog in, in this film, made both benefit great greatly, and there was uh, there were quite a few prisoners that are that were featured in the film, and one prisoner uh stood out and his name is Candido Santiago and and in addition to the dog stealing your heart can- Candido Santiago will also steal your heart uh the film is easy to find the, the website is dogsontheinside.com Inside. Uh, and again it's dogsontheinside.com and you can you can find the film right there and again, it's called "Dogs from the Inside" and directed and shot by Breen Cunningham and Douglas Syrup, who is with us. and can we go to Douglas now?:
1: Yes, Douglas, you're with us now.
2: Hi, how are you? Very good. Carol, are you with us well i'll I'll start out uh asking asking some questions, but first, I want to say thank you and and Breen for the film as you can tell i, I loved it and I, I it could have been it could have been longer as far as i'm concerned i, I could have just stayed with That's those crazy. prisoners and those dogs uh so what drew you and breen together to uh make this film well uh thank you for your positive reviews it's wonderful uh, to hear
3: uh, that you loved it so much and uh, what you know the reason breen and i made this film is because you know one you know we're true animal lovers we always have been and we're looking for a positive story to tell. So when we came across uh, the Prison Dog Program, Don't Throw Us Away, um, we were kind of just, you know, taken back by how how simple of a concept it is, yet it's incredibly innovative because, uh, you know, at the time at least, in 2011, early 2011, there there wasn't much much of anything like it. So um, just the, the bond that uh, these inmates had with the dogs and vice versa. It was just something, you know, we had never experienced it before, so it was, it, was, uh, it was amazing to see.
0: I, I loved it. I thought that you just did a marvelous job of introducing us to the dogs and the prisoners.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
0: And what, one of my favorites was... Um, the dog the the gentleman who was talking about the dog that wouldn't come out of his cage and he said that he truly understood that that he knew exactly how the dog felt and then eventually when he got the dog out of the cage he said that uh, that the dog had changed dramatically and since the inmate saw the change in sam his dog that he says now anything is possible Uh, and i saw that major shift in him and And that's really what the whole thing is about. You wonder who's rescuing whom, don't you
3: oh absolutely and and that's i'm I'm so glad you you mentioned that little snapshot um of the film because it, it's it's the way that you know these these inmates can see the transformation in the dog and it's the result that transformation is a result of all the work. Um, that they they put into training the dog, and once they see that uh, type of you know resiliency in the dogs, then that that transforms them, the inmates themselves as well. So it's just it's a beautiful um, beautiful like ring, if you will. That so just it's yeah, just, we like to call it. I think Candido called it. Uh, you know, love is like a ring, and uh, it just it it's never ending. So it's it's in a sense it's somewhat like that.
2: Yeah, so subtitle is, Everyone Deserves a Second Chance, and the everyone, of course, is both uh, man and dog, prisoner and dog. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: oh,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm really impressed with this organization, the Don't Throw Me Away group. Um, I can't believe the dedication, the care, the concentration um, and, of their efforts, uh and they're donating. Most of them are donating their time, right?
3: Oh, yes, yes. Uh all the volunteers are. It's it's a it's a wonderful program and uh the, the founder started it based on a uh a grant that she won through the patchy refresh project. And uh since then she just she accepts donations and um that's, that's how the program uh, survives. It doesn't talk to Sorry, it doesn't cost the taxpayers any any money. So it's it's all uh, all the whole program runs on the donation. So it, it's a wonderful wonderful program.
0: And I bet she has trouble going out there. One of the women was talking about how uh, difficult sometimes it was. People would say, "What you're raising money to to for rescuing dogs? What about cancer? What about all the big problems we have in the United States?" And I'm totally connected with that because I'm raising money for filmmakers all the time for the Roy Dean Film Grant as you know and so and I was just included in an event recently where um, one man was raising money for uh, Africa to uh, build wells and somebody else was raising money for Poverty to feed people and educate. Another one was educating people in South Central LA and try to get them jobs. And they said, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I said, "I'm supporting documentary filmmakers who are our most, who are our greatest asset." And I held my ground, but I know exactly how she felt because there are so many things out there. But once you see this film. I think this film would be great for them to raise money with. Is it helping them?
3: Uh, yes, I, I believe it is. And, it, you know, it, it, was, it was interesting when, you know, we did that interview with her, Michelle, uh, the founder of the program, and we heard that and, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, we asked her, like, "So does that happen often? Like, do you, do you get those, receive those questions often? She's like, yeah, yeah, most of the time, because there's the stigma attached with, um with inmates as soon as you hear it the word so oh. it's, it's just it's one of those things where um you know it's, we each have our own passions and collectively um we're collectively we're making a difference uh altogether, so it's um it's doing some good for the world, so it's, you know i- I can't be behind it any more than I already am programs yes, like sure. that.
0: You know, it's great you did that film for them. And they've transported over 10,000 dogs. Is that right?
3: 10,000 dogs? Yes, yes, yes.
0: And, oh, I love the part that what chills the dogs out was country music. How wonderful. <laughs> Isn't that yes, great? Not,
3: not rap music, apparently. That's, uh <laughs> it's only uh, so far it's been the uh, the country music I guess it's soothing to them
0: good and tell us now what uh, what's the status are you working on another film at the moment
3: uh, I'm not currently in production of anything I'm, I'm weighing uh, a few different options for um, documentary stories right now before I, I decide on one
0: yeah it's a big decision because how many years did this film take you
3: well, I mean, it's it's been, from the start of it, pre-production and trying to get access to the prison itself, I, I would say, all in all, it's been uh, about five years now.
0: That's marvelous. I sincerely appreciate the work you did. And I liked the warden. Tell me more about him.
3: Uh, which one in particular?
0: Um, the one who was talking about how important his training was. For the prisoners
3: well it's it's incredibly important for the programs like this they're incredibly important for uh the prisoners because it teaches them um responsibility or at least it really gives them a sense of responsibility it's something that they maybe hadn't had um or experienced before so um along with responsibility um it's you know they they're shown taught, like, patience, and they need to teach the dogs, show the dogs compassion, trust, and love. And, um, it's, you know, all in all, it's just a, it's a win-win because it goes back and forth between the dogs, and it's, it's just a, it's a wonderful outcome.
2: It, it seemed like it was, in addition to teaching them responsibility, it seemed like the impact was deep in their character. It seems that, that it facilitated characterological change.
3: Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that because in addition to, you know, showing all this responsibility, uh, you know, walking the talk, if you will, it, it this is also helping them uh with the reentering of society. So, to be eligible for this program, uh I think the maximum amount of time left on your sentence is 2 years. So, this is a this is a great Stepping stone for for the inmates to um, help b- facilitate themselves in the reentering of society. So it makes them it really does help with their sense of character and uh, gives them the confidence that they they need when um, when reentering society.
2: Has there been any other uh, programs like this that have popped up in the United States? Uh, there have been a few that
3: that I'm aware of. Uh, they're they're you know not. We, I mean ideally we'd you know, we would love it if this was programs like this were in every prison across the United States. But uh, to answer your question, yes, they are starting to to emerge uh, here and there.
0: Well, is a download possible uh, for this film?
3: Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's available on the film's website, which is DogsOnTheInside.com. Oh,
2: good. Yes, I want to say something about that. It's available in two versions: a standalone version and a version with the extras. I I wholeheartedly encourage viewers to to get the uh, deluxe version because that information is is so important. It, it, it's an integral to the film. Get the deluxe. Splurge.
0: Yes, and what a gift! What a nice gift this would be to someone uh, for their birthday to give them this film, particularly because most people are dog lovers, and I don't care what kind of dog it is, they're in there. Every kind of dog is in there, and you just fall in love with them. So tell us more about those drivers. That one driver that you interviewed, I really liked him, and I loved the truck that had the checkered black and white racing uh, flags on it, and it was something like, uh, you know, the dog transporter. It was great.
3: Yes, yes, that, that was Cole, uh, featured in the film, and he's one of the transporters uh, driving driving the, the big truck with the, the massive trailer that has the checkered print on it. And, uh, you know, they, they just drive up and down uh, the East Coast transporting dogs um, from areas like... Uh, In and around Jackson, Mississippi, where we filmed, Uh, we filmed there because, uh, at the time, at least, the the animal, you know, overpopulation um, crisis, if you will, uh, that's where it was, you know, the the largest um, of concern. So, uh, these—it's not only coal, but it's the the actual. Rescue workers as well. David and Mary and Connie are featured in the film. They're they're on the front line. They do this in their spare time. They 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 spend you know their weekends, um, you know, searching for stray dogs, and they'll pick them up and uh, foster them for for a certain amount of time until they can um, get them to either a, a no kill shelter or a forever home. So it it's just. Uh, it's, they're amazing people who, who should really be in the spotlight and we try to shine some light on them um as well because they deserve a great amount of credit for the the work they do.
0: Absolutely. Right. As I heard in the film that they monitor the dogs for their entire lives. That's quite a process.
3: Oh yes yeah, it, it, it certainly is. It's they oh. They do this because they they love the dogs. They they you know it makes a difference for them even if it's just one dog. Um, it's it's one less dog that's on the street. So it they they know what they're doing and you know I I can't respect them enough for it.
0: Well, okay. If you got any tips for filmmakers about getting into prisons? <laughs>
3: um. Well, if you I would say. It's it's not an easy process um, to get in, um, legally at least. Um, It it took a long time. It took about nine months to get uh, clearance to uh, enter the grounds of the prison. And um, in that nine-month period, we were only, Brian and I were only granted uh, three days of filming at the prison. So all the prison footage, all the interviews and B-roll, that was... Taken over the course of three days uh and we had spread that out across uh, i would say four or five months uh so we could capture some type of uh transformation in the dogs and the inmates
0: wow that's that and is
3: a very restrictive
0: amount of time to uh, for the film i it doesn't show that you did a really good job with what you got yeah.
3: thank you thank you and and for for advice in that regard uh I would say just be persistent and stay on it. And even if it seems like it's, access may never happen, um, just stay on it, and, and hopefully it'll be a good outcome.
0: Well, um, any other advice for filmmakers about things that you learned while on this shoot? Things you would never do again, or pitfalls that you might have encountered that you could give advice for?
3: Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, really, if this. When Breen and I first started this project we we you know didn't really know exactly we didn't have a full understanding of what we're getting into and um one of the the best things about making a documentary film that we've found is that you know you learn so much in the process of making the film, whether it's learning from people you're interviewing to uh just the lay of the land in a, a new location a new city um just Exploring different areas, it you just learn so much, and um, you know, as a result of this film, Dogs of the Inside, you know, we've been able to really change, change some lives, uh, you know, for the better, and you know, it's, it's just an outcome that we couldn't ask more out of. It, it's just been it's been wonderful.
2: Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Doug. Oh, thank and you it, for having me.
0: Yes, we really enjoyed it. What a great film you've made, and we really honor the work you put into this. I think it's a great historical document for people to see, 10, 15 years from now. What a wonderful job you've done.
3: Well, I appreciate you saying that. It, it, it means a lot. And I, I, yeah, thank you so much. Okay.
0: Okay. Thanks, Don, and thanks, Claire. We'll see you next week.
2: Thank you, Carol. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. Right, it was a wonderful
1: bye. show, everyone. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Doug thank you and John. for joining us. Carol. Bye. Thank you. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com.
2: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VTW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.